be with you on this All Saints Day, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I apologize for last week. I think I was thinking too hard about the Reformation anniversary and uh, feeling the pressure of uh, something new to give you that would help you as a Christian. On the way home from church last Sunday, Jill said, well, you could have mentioned Christ alone, faith alone, Scripture alone, grace alone, or or justification by grace through faith, or any of the Lutheran taglines. Well, it was on the banner up here. (laughs) Nevertheless, I overthought it. Pastor Warmbier delivered a solid message at the afternoon service at Living Savior having to do with Christ, the rock and foundation of our faith. Very straightforward, basic. We're accustomed to hearing it, but it sure is good to hear it again and again. I guess there isn't anything new about the Reformation either. It just seemed that a half-millennium observance of one of the most important events in history needed, I don't know, a sparkling fresh look or something. Did you know last Tuesday was a national holiday in Germany? The Reformation is still very important to the German people, not so much for its religious implications anymore, but cultural. In Germany, Martin Luther is credited for for much progressive advancements in society, such as public schools, including equal education for girls, modernization of the language, separating the affairs of government from those of the church, as well as art, music, and literature. The hymns we sing in church are part of that legacy. October 31st, 2017 is behind us, but whether you're in Germany, America, South America, or Asia, it's still and will always be about Jesus. All Saints Day is about Jesus too. Today is the 500th All Saints Day since Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis to the castle church door in Wittenberg and mailed a copy of it to Prince Albert in Mainz. Remember last week I mentioned it was Albert who let John Tetzel sell indulgences in his territory first, which got the whole thing going. Lutherans pinned the start of the Reformation on that first strike of the hammer to the nail that stuck those papers to the church door, but it was also the packet containing a copy of the 95 Thesis which Luther mailed to Albert that started the Reformation. But you know, hammering away on a huge church door is more exciting than mailing a package, isn't it? Albert didn't receive Luther's thesis until the end of November. You know, mail was slow back then. And Albert was most likely completely unaware that this little 95 thesis pamphlet which was literally flying off the printing press in Wittenberg was going on. But in November 1517, Luther wasn't famous yet. And the 95 Thesis hadn't made their way to the Pope and Rome yet. So All Saints Day 1517 would have been like many before. It fell on a Sunday because under the old Julian calendar, October 31st was a Saturday. Luther may have preached that Sunday in Wittenberg, but I wasn't able to find any sermons by him for November 1st, 1517. If he did preach that day, 
He would have used different texts than, we, than what's in your service folder. But since it was All Saints Day, a major feast day in the church, he would have had something to say about the saints who have gone before us. The meaning of All Saints Day is actually pretty cool. Some of it is speculation, but it goes something like this. You know the, uh, uh, you know the Houston Astrodome, right? The, uh, the Superdome in New Orleans? Yeah, right. Well, Rome had a Superdome of its own. It was known as the uh, Pantheon. It was built in the 6th century. It was originally built as a temple to worship the Roman gods and goddesses, but when Christianity became the state religion of the Roman Empire, the Pantheon and other pagan temples were emptied out. And the Pantheon was donated to the church. The Pope decided to dedicate it to all the saints, all the Christians who had died, especially the martyrs in Rome, during the bloody years of persecution. A festival was held in the spring, and it became known as All Martyrs Day and was celebrated every year. But along came the barbarians from Germany and Eastern Europe with their pagan idols and their fear of the dead and ghosts. The church moved the Feast of All Saints Day from spring to November 1st to compete with the barbarian Day of the Dead. Now what's really neat about all this is that a good portion of the barbarians converted and became Christians. But they were stubborn about this Day of the Dead thing. They, they just wouldn't give it up. They kept celebrating it. They firmly believed that their dead relatives and friends would on this one day enter back into this world to torment and seek revenge on the living. What the church did was brilliant and has tremendous meaning and application even today. Christians in Europe didn't hold the barbarians at arm's length when it came to worship and communion. Instead, they encouraged them to approach the altar and said to them, don't be afraid of the dead. Dine with them. Have a meal with them, with Jesus as your host, and have fellowship. It was brilliant. It was true. And it worked. We aren't afraid of the dead today, but we believe that we are dining with the living at the Lord's banquet table. In heaven and here on earth, a mystic communion with the saints. We sung it in that hymn. Everyone who has gone before us in the faith, not just the martyrs and the important ones in history like Matthew and Paul and Augustine and Luther, but all the company of heaven the spiritual realm connecting with the temporal realm. Can we do the same kind of thing in our culture today like the Christians did with uh, Conan the Barbarian? Instead of Christians conforming to the empire of, say, Disney or YouTube and Google and such, can we, can we get the empire to conform a little bit to our way? God's way, you know? Can we, can we baptize the church of the NFL? whose loyal millions diligently sit for hours on Sunday morning in front of their high-definition shrines? You know? How about a three-minute spot for a commercial break to put down the beer and pizza rolls and pick up a Bible and take a sip of wine and eat a piece of bread for the forgiveness of sin? It's a stupid idea, I know. But you get what I'm saying, right? You get the point? 
For centuries, Christians have been pretty successful at conforming the culture in some ways to be more like Christ. But there are times when the Christian church has to say no to the culture in order to remain faithful to God's Word. No, we don't sprout wings and become angels when we die. No, our dear departed loved ones don't look down on us from heaven. No, we don't become one with the universe. No, we don't just fade into nothing or stop existing. Luther in his day felt compelled to say no and put the brakes on some beliefs and practices which had crept into the church over, the, over some time. And this may have been part of his message on this day 500 years ago if he preached when he said, the saints in heaven cannot put a good word for us, they cannot put in a good word for us with God. Look, it's good news that Christ calls all Christians in a body or spouse a bride and he is the bridegroom in this marriage there is to be no mediator what sort of marriage would it be which required a mediator in order to ask and get something for the bride from the groom it would be a poor love and a ramshackle marriage if the bridegroom did not have did not give the bride the keys and the power over wine bread and whatever else is in the house Therefore, we should learn that no mediator is necessary with Christ. We should go to him ourselves with a confidence as complete as that with which any beloved bride ever went to her gracious and friendly spouse. For Christian faith makes Christ the bridegroom and we are the spouse. Thanksgiving is rapidly approaching and I encourage you to keep this All Saints Day theme with you to that day when you'll be sitting with your loved ones around the table. I realize, especially here in the Northwest, that not all our family members are Lutheran. And even if they are of some other Christian persuasion besides Catholic, might not know the deeper meaning of the Lord's Supper and the communion of saints. What a great great opportunity then to bring it up in conversation. Or even a toast to Jesus for making it possible to dine not only with those who are with you, but also those who have been called to heaven to dine with you at the table of the Lord. The wine you drink, if you drink it at Thanksgiving, and the bread you eat at your upcoming Thanksgiving dinner is not a sacrament. That's reserved for this table. But in much the same way as communion, a Thanksgiving dinner can be a foretaste. A foreshadowing, if you will, of the banquet you and I will enjoy for eternity in heaven with those who have gone before us. If you've lost a spouse or a mother or child who is counted among the faithful, you can confidently witness your faith and say, one day I will be reunited with them in person, face to face. That's something we need to hear again and again. I know I do. I believe in the communion of saints. And if you believe it too and confess it like we did in the creed, then we know the joy of not only Jesus' presence here, but also our loved ones. If you've brought your grief into this house over a, a lost loved one, then let Jesus bless it and you with the promise of his presence here at the table. And that his death and resurrection for the forgiveness of sin has made it possible for your loved one 
to be present too. And may his peace in the midst of this mystery which we can never fully understand and comprehend keep you in the faith and the church to the day of his return and bring us all together in heaven. Amen.